Hey guys, welcome to the debrief. David here has some new digs. Uh, looking good, man. Background looking good. Yeah, it's slowly coming together. Uh, I'm missing a bunch of like hardware and tools, which I have coming. I don't have a car. I have got, got the plants, but uh, you know, it's a little bit of a, of you can a mess right now. Always use more plants, dude. I can always, always. use more plants. Yeah. Um, plants don't do too well in a U-Haul, but they manage to make <laughs> their way down. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, well, hopefully by Thursday night. Uh, this apartment will be more or less in tip top shape, but I got to go furniture shopping, which is going to be, uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be fun or not. Guys, the reason this is important is of course, because this is the first bankless podcast, main, main bankless podcast that was recorded mm -hmm. in, uh, David's new space sound. Mm -hmm. I, I think was great. Sounded mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Um, and look, the content was fire too. I yep. love the podcast where I just like, I can't stop asking questions because mm -hmm. I'm learning so much. And for me, the section that did that was actually the, uh, the macro section. Yep. And so yep. particularly when we talked about inflation, mm -hmm. um, the thought of like, well, what if inflation is five, six, 7%, right. maybe even higher for the majority or a good chunk of this decade? Like what happens if that's the case? Uh, and he talked about um, one thing that I had not given thought to is like shortages everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like- We've never lived through that world. I mean, some of, the, some of you listening may have, but I haven't, David hasn't. Um, mm -hmm. It's really interesting to think about how this decade might be completely different than previous decades we've, we've lived in due to these effects. Right. Yeah. The, the, the concept of a K-shaped recovery comes to mind where, you know, the reason why there's shortages is because the top of the K is buying everything at, you know, does not matter what the price is, just I want it. And then the bottom of the K suffers because the top of the K has all the cash and they're buying everything. Uh, that's kind of what, what came came to mind with me as well. And that, that was also one of my favorite parts of this podcast that, where I just learned the most. Uh, and, you know, a little bit of a insight into the back back of a bank list, what it's like to be me and Ryan when we prepare for these podcasts. We go, we, we make an agenda with different topics and there's a flow to them. But sometimes, like Ryan's saying, when there's a really good episode, or a really good like you know stream of consciousness out of the guests, we just completely derail from the agenda and we keep on going down like whatever the guest is talking about, and that's what we did with both the inflation conversation and also the uh, the banking and and the uh, Federal Reserve innovation and technology conversation as well. Like we just kind of let Jim go and take the reins, and I, I it was our favorite parts of the podcast, I think. Yeah, it was super cool. And like the the other thought, I guess one difference from the 1970s to now is, of course, you were in a completely fiat world. 1970s we just like depegged right. from gold so that's interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the the world of the 2020s is also at least in the u.s but i think globally too for sure a um a world of massive wealth inequality as well mm -hmm. so you're talking about that k-shaped recovery right so like right well like we're already not doing well from a mm -hmm. wealth inequality perspective and so what happens when inflation hits and so yeah um, minimum wage goes up, hourly work goes up, uh, but inflation is like rocking. And so real wage increase remains flat. Like what happens in that kind of a scenario? Interesting stuff to ponder. Of course, this may not play out, right? Like Jim's saying that this is still a, a hypothetical and the Fed is certainly downplaying it, saying that um, this inflation is, is temporal, but um, yeah, definitely have to be prepared for this sort of thing if you're if you're on the journey if you're an investor in the space because it's definitely going to impact crypto um how do you think it's going to impact crypto though right it's like 
There's shortages. Right. Is this, I guess, like bad for the world, maybe bad for the US, uh, good for crypto though? Yeah, I have, uh, as it relates to crypto and financial markets, I'm a little bit more confused and my ideas are less formulated on that, mainly just because I'm, I'm an absolute novice when it comes to just markets at large. Like I'm an expert in crypto markets, but anything else, like after that, like, no, I got, I got nothing. Um, but two things that do come to mind is like, uh, one, one thing I'm worried about is like, you know, inflation is really bad for a large number of people. And those, those number of people are going to start to get resentful. Um, it's, this is like the, the social unrest conversation um, that, that is to be had. And I think those people are really going to be resentful towards the people that really benefited from this inflation. And to some degree, um, that's, that is the crypto industry, but also to some degree, like people that are resentful are going to be resentful of new technologies that they don't understand. And when they see a bunch of like crypto people playing you know, like yield farming DeFi games and Dogecoin going to the moon uh, and like they're not part participating in it, um, I'm worried about some sort of like cultural pushback. But if like crypto does start to take over, I'm worried about some like sort of cultural pushback um, just from like kind of from like the same kind of cancel culture energy that that's out there. It's like, oh, crypto, like all the all the crypto bros, uh, you know, the, the misogynist white folk industry that that I don't understand at all. Like, you know, th that industry, let's regulate the hell out of that because I don't like it. Um, I, I'm partially partially worried about social unrest. Uh, having kind of like an untargeted shotgun as to like what it's going to do to really answer to its unrest. And, and maybe that's a convoluted answer, but I, generally the, my answer is I'm kind of worried about social unrest as a result of inflation because it is going to selectively be bad for a specific portion of the population and also be good for a different portion of the population as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the what I feel so much about the 2020s is be prepared. Like, yeah. just be prepared for everything. Um, you know, the Josh Rosenthal episode, we always refer back to that, but it's like, be prepared to be part of the crypto renaissance that is coming, mm -hmm. but like, also be prepared for social unrest that right. comes at the beginning of this sort of mm -hmm. transformation, because it does feel like 2020s are going to be a transformative uh, decade for sure in a lot of ways. And in the short run, some of those ways might not be... <laughs> Not, might not be awesome. So okay. like, be ready. Um, the, the other part that was really awesome to me was his, I guess, rant maybe about the, mm -hmm. about the banking system. And yeah. I say rant in a good way. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think it, it's been presented on bank lists in those terms that yes, software is eating so much of the world. Entire industries are, um, being disrupted and uh, improving, basically becoming more efficient, except banking, because banking right. has been the way it is now since the late 1800s. And uh, I guess that's not been impressed on, upon me before in, in quite that way. And like Jim just uh, brought it home with that section. So I, I love I love that piece too. Yeah, yeah. The what really came to my mind while Jim was talking is like we we talk about um, you know old systems not updating that not no innovation you know bank banks are siloed but he was really emphasizing um not like top-down regulation really as being like the the crux of a lot of like lack of of innovation but like the nature of permissioned environments yes. like wall street and banks are permissioned and that's a strategy, right? And that's exactly why there has been no innovation because, you know, what do you do? You become a big 
big entity in the space, and then you establish yourself. And then you set up regulation to make sure that the other entities that are in the space look exactly like how you look. And if you they don't look like how you look, then you're not allowed to get any sort of regulation. So like all this regulation talk that we uh, are frustrated about in this industry, like we, and we want regulation to change, it's really an extension of Wall Street trying to just make themselves the most permissioned industry of all time. That is the it's straight up Wall Street is regulatory capture, and that is their business model. Yeah, you know what also brought this home to me is um, people who are top dogs, top echelon in a permissioned industry. They mm -hmm. only think in terms of permission. Right. So like this is so when we asked him the question of, hey, how come more uh, like older demographics, say the baby boomer generation has hasn't jumped a whole, you know, into DeFi, right? Um, quicker. His, his comment was they can't get over the fact that it's all do it yourself. Right. It's like it's like um, a generation where you give your your groceries to someone at the checkout counter and they, they do all the scanning versus like self-service. Right. Mm -hmm. They can't wrap their heads around taking and claiming self-service finance <laughs> self-service finance I, I i think of like even so many people still my own age who um nothing against financial advisors they can be very helpful if you don't want to think about your money that sort of thing but um they're very used to just outsourcing their brain their f mm -hmm. finance brain to a financial advisor which is interesting to me because right. like most people you work so hard for your money right and like mm -hmm. you, you t you're thinking about rising up the corporate ranks, right? Or whatever you're doing in, in your job and like bigger paycheck, whatever else. But then you outsource this super important piece of your, your financial value. wealth trajectory, right? right? To somebody who is just playing basically the game that everyone else is playing. So mm -hmm. like, how are you going to do with that strategy? You're going to do about average. If your right. financial person is a little bit better than maybe slightly above average, but it's a very right. average way to play. Right. But like, that's kind of the accepted things. Like, of course you outsource your, mm -hmm. your wealth management uh, to a third party. Whereas like bankless is like, no, don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like the traditional take, financial- Take the reins, take the take horns. Take the reins, yeah. self-sovereign uh, monetary system, self-sovereign investing. Like you're, you're the captain now, you're in mm -hmm. charge of this, uh, do it yourself. And by the way, take on all the responsibility that that entails. Right, which is like if you lose your keys, you're you're dead. If you right. don't you don't type in the address wrong, like yeah, oh. <laughs> exactly. But like it, it never occurred to me before that um, when you're brought up in sort of a permission financial world, you just can't even break out. It's hard to break outside of the paradigm of mm -hmm. do it yourself, which is what DeFi totally. is all about. And and that's why, especially in the last like few months or so, that Bankless has really been focused on on culture, right? Because imagine a a world where there's there's one world and everything's permissioned and imagine that culture and then imagine a world where everything's permissionless and now imagine that culture right like individuals are more empowered individuals are more self-actualized individuals are more in an environment more capable of believing in themselves because they have their own uh, power and control over their own financial assets it's just people, I think, in a in a bankless world are straight up more a more confident cohort of people. And so at the end of the day, the technologies that intermediate our lives define our culture. And that's why we that's why we focus on culture as we skip to the end. Like this is with what, you know, bankless is going to do for the world. If Wall Street 
and it's permission nature and, and it's, it's nanny nannying nature stops being relevant. And instead we have this world where like, you know, you are responsible for your own survival and you're responsible for your own money. All of a sudden, like the psychological dispositions of the people that engage in this industry are different from the, from the cultures that came previously. Uh, and so when, when Jim Pianco is talking about like the coolest thing about this thing is it's permissionlessness and and that's why he's such a, a hardliner on decentralization 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 is because he he i think he understands conceptually that like people having their own money is one of the world's, world's most powerful forces and it changes everything it absolutely changes everything you know some people say to that david i want to get your insight it's like yeah okay cool david but people don't really want that responsibility right then they're gonna get left behind okay so like i agree they're gonna get left behind but I also disagree. Mm. I think that people are like hungry for that level of responsibility. Yes. yes. Why like, do you think DeFi has exploded? It's because for the last 30 years, we've had all this pent up demand for some sort of permissionless environment, some permissionless culture, right? And then all of a sudden DeFi comes and all the stifling that Wall Street and regulation has done for the decades is broken and so like no shit DeFi exploded we've had this pent-up demand for something like it for the last 30 years i'm gonna rail on accredited investor laws for just a second because yeah, i feel like this is it. like like <laughs> the paternalistic kind a of pastime of crypto culture <laughs> okay so like accredited investor laws take that mm -hmm. you have to be wealthy in order to invest in private mm -hmm. companies in mm -hmm. the u.s right so you have to have over a million dollars or you have to have you know two hundred thousand in income Yes. Um, more if you're married. And like, if you don't have those assets, if you're not already wealthy, then like, sorry, you can't do a private transaction, private deal. It's like, no, no, you're not wealthy. No, you're not allowed to make wealth. That's literally yes. You're not sorry. You're not smart enough because like you might invest in something that um, is, is too sophisticated for you mm -hmm. and you'll lose all your money. And then you'll come and you'll like, that is an example of the paternalistic permissioned sort of financial entity that we've grown up with. And all of it is this way, right? And I think that people don't want that anymore. Like, I think that there is a, a rising cohort that is willing to take responsibility for their own financial decisions and break outside of this constrained like path that the financial industry has like set out mm. for us so mm. yeah i do i i think people totally want that responsibility everyone everyone in DeFi that i've met even though there's like rug pulls and mm. like hacks and people have lost money and lost private keys they still have this like gleam in their eye when they talk right. about like crypto right, right? it's just right. like because it feels so real it just feels like free H have you ever yeah, been rug pulled or hacked or exploited in any way ryan I have not. <laughs> I, I've dodged the bullet. Have you? I, in not the, not this cycle. In this cycle, I've I'm hack immune. Never never lost a cent. Um, in okay, 20... so so I will say I haven't been mm -hmm. like, but have suffered obviously the market drops of like yeah you know, whatever that stuff. That's just yeah, we all we all have we all have. Okay, all right, all right. But we but like so, like the the branding of this industry that like perhaps some Wall Street executive will give you is like. No, 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 don't touch DeFi. There's rug pulls there. Like things go to zero there. Like you'll get exploited. You'll lose your keys. Like yeah. that narrative, I haven't experienced that at all. I, I, I'm I very careful not to. 
like very I'm careful very not careful. to. I, I yeah. learned I, I learned how to, I learned how to learn about this very early. The one thing I did do in 2017 is I generated Margin? an I no uh, I generated <laughs> an iota private key wallet from a website private key generation website. And it was a, it was a it was a front, and so yeah. they would just they just sent, gave me the same address, and I was like, okay, who, here's my new iota wallet. I'll send my iota there. <laughs> so I just send it. I just sent the money. So that that was my one like I got I got rocked. I sent them like six hundred dollars or something worth of iota, which well, is now worth zero. Is this but, okay? So is this just survivorship bias? Like we're talking about the freedom and the gleam in people's eyes because mm-hmm. nothing bad has ever happened to us. Like I feel like right. definitely we've been careful. And we'll mm-hmm. continue to be careful. Mm-hmm. It's part of educating ourselves. But is this just survivorship bias, David? Like, go talk to somebody who has been rug pulled. Right. Uh, will they have the glint of DeFi freedom in their eyes? And will they be excited about this uh, responsibility? Or will they knock on the SEC's door and say, help? Like, there's criminals right. and rug pulls out here, and you got to go you know, prosecute them. I definitely need to, like, look into this a little bit more and go back through the bankless backlog. But, like, what protocols have we really promoted that have gotten like meaningful like exploits or hacks or rug pulls? Like MakerDAO in Black Thursday, like a, a couple people lost, I think like, I don't know, some X number of million, millions of dollars. Um, Compound got exploited very, very smallly in a very small fashion as well. Like, but like, I don't think Bankless has really covered a lot of protocols that have gotten like exploited and rug pulled. You know, right? we don't, we're careful there, but there's also, I always, when you, as you say that. I'm Alpha Finance, that, that one, that one got rugged. Um, but then they, but then they repaid their, their, their users. But don't you feel uh, David, like knock on wood though. Like we do end the, the every Bankless with like, <laughs> Hey, this, like you could lose Right. You yeah. We, we, we say that though, but also it's different. Like, yeah, like, but you know, it's different when it actually happens to let you. Let me, let me ask. So let's say you put some funds into a DeFi protocol, right? Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. I know you're you and like, you're not going to YOLO in everything because, you know, you're, you're not going to do that because that's- stupid. I mean, m- most of my assets are in DeFi apps. Okay. Say. Well, let's say, let's say uh, one, of the, one of the major DeFi apps that you have some mm-hmm. assets in has a smart contract hack. Right. Uh-huh. How are you going to feel about that? Uh, yeah, not good. All right. Not good. <laughs> well, are you going to have the glint of freedom in your eyes? Are you going to be excited? Or are you going to be like, let's say... I'd have to, I'd have to lick my wounds for a while. Well, right. yeah, so, may- so, so maybe there is some survivorship bias here too. Right. Yeah. Like, but, uh, but also the apps that I have my assets in are like the tried and true ones. Like it's a combination of Maker, Compound, and Aave, which I believe in. And they're spread across those three, right? So if one gets hacked, like, well, at least I have the other one. Um, uh, and, and also I, I feel safe, I feel safe in those, like I, I make is one of the most like lockdown protocols there is. And so this is why I also feel I like- see if I get hacked, a lot of people get hacked. And so I will okay. have a ton of friends to cope with and that'll be, yeah, okay. and what, and what will they do? Right. So like, this is, this is why I'm also sensitive to the plight of regulators because has your peers mm-hmm. will say, if all of that happens then the group of you who are all hacked will come knock on some regulator, some government body store and say, this can't happen to us. Look at, you know, this person had their life savings and mm-hmm. so-and-so invested their grandmother's money in this. And look right. at all of the carnage that was wrecked right. because of these irresponsible developers who mm-hmm. let in this bug and they should be regulated, right? And like she, her comment would be, and so the cycle repeats. Humans right. screw it up and then they want we our want help, help. So they actually right. bring us in would, right. would be something that the regulators say, so. 
Yeah, well, me, me, me personally, I know that I preach self-sovereignty. And so there's no way I'm going to go knock on Hester Pierce's door. <laughs> maybe I DM like Robert Leshner and be like, hey, man, can you give me a steak? Like, I need, I need some help. Yeah. I, yeah. I need some coping. Let's give me talk about this. Let's form a, uh, <laughs> like a group and, and just uh, talk about what happened. But yeah, I, um, anyway, that was, I guess, a segue. What, what else from this conversation? Or that was a uh, district. Uh, on a side point, mm -hmm. but what else from this conversation stuck out to you? Yeah, we didn't really get to the topic of uh, money in, in the space. Um, and I'm not too sure Jim Bianco is really into the whole concept of like store value, crypto asset money. We, we kind of stuck around DeFi tokens and DeFi assets and, and, you know, whether or not like his cohort of, you know, Wall Street types are really, really into DeFi assets as like a new frontier or if they kind of consider them like the whole magic beans thing. What, what was your takeaway with, with what he said about that? So my takeaway was this, which is like, I didn't expect him to be so um, bullish on and have such a firm understanding of the importance of decentralization and credible mm -hmm. neutrality, mm -hmm. because I feel like you can miss that when you s start to enter DeFi for the first time. You get wrapped up in permissionless uh, DeFi protocols th that you don't think deeper, but he was really thinking deeper about this. He was like, hey there's a problem with stable coins in that they are not really right. crypto native, fully decentralized right. stable coins, he even brought up DAI. So mm -hmm. where did I go with the story value? It was basically like, I don't know if he's made this link in his mind, because again, we didn't ask him, but I always go back to, unless you have a non-sovereign store of value, like a Bitcoin or Ethereum, you actually can't create any synthetic, right. you know, stable coin right. on top of it. Right. And mm -hmm. so you actually don't have decentralization. Like we've called that before trustless economic bandwidth. And that's been like a cornerstone of what we've talked about in bank loads for like the last two years. Right. So mm -hmm. if he hasn't made that link in his mind, I think he's right on the cusp of making that link, which means that crypto can never be decentralized unless it has an ETH at the right. bottom. A native that money. A native money that is high liquidity, high market cap, reserve mm -hmm. currency for the entire space. And, with global bids for it too. Yeah. And so if he hasn't made that connection in his mind, he's probably close because he already values decentralization the way that he does. And um, I don't know. I, I, I still think that's a really great argument for why ETH needs to be um, the market cap. It needs to be mm -hmm. why ETH needs to be 10K, 20K, 100K if an entire global financial system is built on top of it. Um, this doesn't necessarily mean it will be those things, but it does is I've always thought it does need to be high value. I remember, do you remember 2018, 2019, there's like a whole contingent of people who said like, it doesn't need to be valuable. Right. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's worse valuable. if it's valuable because then apps are more expensive. Hell no. That's totally, <laughs> I can't, that triggers me. Like that Eat brings me gas, back to bro. like, <laughs> that brings me back to like 2018, 2019. Um, <laughs> so anyway, I think he's close, even though we didn't talk about that. Yeah, I, maybe we should dedicate some time in the week, the weekly roll-up because we know Jim Bianco listens to the weekly roll-up now. That's Does how he? we found him in the, in the first place. Uh, maybe we dedicate some time to, to revisiting uh, economic bandwidth because there are some core bankless um, theses that uh, we no longer talk talk about with frequency as we once did, and you know, protocol sync and economic bandwidth. Um, and, uh, and, and Jim Bianco hit the nail on the head when he said like, Die is great, but it's not great if it's backed by Tether and USDC. Like then it's just like then it's just the Federal Reserve with extra steps. Uh, and so we should we should talk about this more. 
Yeah, we should. And uh, by the way, if you guys are looking to get a quick recap, quick version of this in March, David, we put out a Welcome to Bankless reprise, yep. which tries to yep. touch on every major bankless thesis um, right. like quickly. Although I my, will say- my mom DM'd me, or DM'd, text messaged me <laughs> saying, <laughs> she's saying she she and a friend, uh, she was talking to a friend about like what the hell I do with my with my career. And, yeah. and so then, then she was like, well, what, what podcast do I tell her to listen to? And I was like, Bank, welcome to Banco's 2021 edition. And, and then, okay. and then she listened to it and she was like, that was the perfect podcast to start. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, like, Boomers. That, that's Boomers. great. Okay. So uh, I'm sure people on the debrief, listening to debrief have listened to that one though. Like, right. I think we are in the if inner circle of in inner circles one, yeah. mm-hmm. with, with bankless listeners, but we should generally talk about some of these concepts more. Um, all right, man. Anything else? We didn't talk about FinTech. I, I kind of wanted to. The DeFi mullet? Yeah, a little bit. I wanted to, but um, that's okay. Yeah, I think Jim Bianco is more of a macro, more than fintech guy, I, I would say. But uh, overall, dude, Jim Bianco, bro. Yeah, well, Josh bro. Rosenthal. Uh, no, Josh, no, uh, Joe Weisenthal. Weisen- excuse Weisenthal. me. <laughs> Josh Rosenthal, <laughs> Joe Weisenthal. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> I don't know why that linked in my mind. Uh, Joe Weisenthal is a Bloomberg commentator too, who's written a lot on... Um, mm. DeFi lately, talk about people mm-hmm. being eat pilled in Wall Street. Uh, I feel like of this trajectory with with Jim and others that we've been on, which is like, how is Wall Street thinking about DeFi? He's got to be one of our next guests for sure. Totally, totally. So, yep. I mean, he's in the guys. queue. We'll he's in the queue. As soon as he's uh, got some free time, he's coming on Bankless. Alpha Leak for debrief members. Maybe mm-hmm. Kathy Wood in the future too. Ooh, Ark ooh, investor. Spicy, spicy. Maybe. 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 Got lots queued up next quarter. Yep. Stay with us. Thanks for hanging on the debrief.